Good morning. Isn't it great to be here in this chilly weather? <laughs> you realize it in Taiwan, this is cold. It like got this cold about twice while I lived there. So this is cold weather to me, but I kind of like it. I love fall. Anyway, it's good that we can all be here today. I thought this morning it would be good to look at a scripture, uh, some scriptures about prayer. And specifically, I'm going to look at a prayer that Paul prayed. We're going to take that prayer apart verse by verse. But I decided to name my message, A Prayer God Loves to Answer. And I don't know, does that sound like I'm a little overconfident to say, I know if you pray this prayer, God will answer it? Sounds kind of confident, doesn't it? And I believe I can say that because it's a prayer directly from God's Word. And you know, in the Bible, it's so incredible that from beginning to end, as we read our word, as we read the Bible, we will see that God has actually written down prayers for us, starting with Moses, Abraham, Nehemiah has some great prayers. The Psalms are full of prayers. And when we get to the New Testament, we actually get to see some prayers of Jesus, and then lots of prayers of Paul. And and it's been quite a while ago now. Um, one time in the beginning of our marriage, Rick and I did a study on just the prayers of Paul. And I realized at that point, I've never actually used the prayers written in the Bible to teach me how to pray. And wow, when I started looking at those prayers that way, it really changed my prayer life. And so that's what I want to pray, what I want to talk about today. I believe we can know that God will answer these prayers. He's written them down for us because he says, this is what I want to do, just ask me. So before we uh, go into the message, let's just read. If you have your Bibles, look at Colossians 1, starting at verse 9 to 13. I took this from the NIV, and then this morning as I grabbed my NIV, I realized it's not the same because they've updated NIVs. So what is on the screen came offline, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, Colossians 1, verses 9 to 13. Paul says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, oh good, it's right there, on that screen it's not right. So that you may have, let me start with that again, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. 
Let's start with prayer. Father, I can tell that already I'm distracted. And yet, God, you have given us this time just to settle our hearts and minds. And our Lord, where we get to come to your throne of grace and mercy and ask you for help. The help we need, Lord, is to know how to pray for what you want us to pray for, how to discern what you're wanting to do. What you want for us, Lord, is what we want. And I thank you, God, that you're so gracious that you show us in your word what you want for us, and then you say, just ask me. So thank you for being our teacher, our instructor, we look to your Holy Spirit who lives within us to open up our understanding so that we might, Lord, just continually learn more about you, learn to walk and talk with you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's see if this is going to work. Okay. All right. Well, first thing I want to do is I want to give you, look at us, three scriptures. The first one tells us the kind of prayers God says he wants to answer. He makes it actually pretty plain. He said, you ask me this, and this is what I'll do. The second scripture is the kind of prayers God says he doesn't answer. He actually tells us. You pray like this, I won't answer you. And the third prayer, the third scripture is Jesus showing us the purpose of prayer. So I just want to start with those. The first one is from 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is what Jesus says. He says, this is the confidence we can have in approaching God. Confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, In whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Pretty plain there, isn't it? He says, just ask anything according to my will. Now that might sound plain and clear, but I don't think it's so simple, do you? (laughs) How hard is it to know God's will? Do you guys struggle with that? God says, just ask me anything according to my will and I'll do it. That's what I want to do. When he says, according to my will, he's saying, ask me for what I want to do. Ask me for my desires to be accomplished. And so God says, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's why I say the prayers in scripture, we know he will answer That's his will. He actually is showing us through these prayers in Scripture, this is what I want to do. So we know he's going to answer those prayers. Then in James 4, verses 2 and 3, he tells us what kind of prayers he doesn't answer. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he says, the first prayer he doesn't answer is the prayer you don't pray, (laughs) right? You want to see more answers to prayer in your life? Just ask more. That's what he's saying. You don't have because you don't ask. 
But then he says, when you ask, you don't receive because you're asking with wrong motives. In the Amplified Bible, it says you're asking with selfish motives so that you can spend it on what makes you happy. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, if your prayer is just all about you getting what you want, then that's not the type of prayer he answers. He wants to answer our prayers according to what he wants, his will and not ours. And as we've walked with God, don't we know that what he wants for us is always better than what we want? Always. So much better. Then Jesus tells us in John 15, 7 and 8, the purpose of prayer. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John 15, 7 and 8. Jesus starts off by saying, if you remain in me, he's basically saying, if you're connected to me, if you belong to me and you stay there, you don't wander away, you remain in me, and my words remain in you. I think that's really cool, because here he's saying, look how important his words are to prayer. He's saying, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. The more you know God's word, the more you know how he wants you to pray, the more you know what he wants for us. I mean, it's just incredible. I am absolutely certain that he wants us to have more joy than we're living in. He wants us to have more peace than we're experiencing. He wants us to be filled with hope and strength and confidence that he Our God is in control. And these are the things he wants to give us when we pray about it. So when I was studying the prayers of Paul, what occurred to me is not just how Paul prayed, but what he prayed for. And I feel like even Jesus has just shown this. He said, when he says, I will will answer this, your prayers for my Father's glory. That's what prayer is about. It's like God wanting to get into our lives and show the world how great he is. He wants to answer our prayers so that he'll be glorified. He'll be magnified. He'll be seen as the great God that he is. So above all, the purpose of prayer is for God's glory and goodness to be seen. That's why we pray. This is the right reason to pray. If what I'm asking God for does not result in his glory, then I'm not asking for the right things. God has given us this incredible relationship. And just to believe that what he wants for us is so great, he wants to just invade our lives and make us different from the world. So much so that when all this chaos is going on, they don't see us as panicked and fearful and, oh, woe is me. They see Jesus in us. You know, Jesus, yeah, he's, he sees everything. He sees us right now. He sees what's going on everywhere. And I admit there's a lot of chaos and crisis. But Jesus isn't concerned God is not sitting on the throne just totally baffled. God's got a purpose in everything, and we usually don't see it. 
We look at a problem head on, and God's looking at the whole picture, beginning to end. And so to learn to to remember that prayer is all about what God wants to do. It's for his will and his alone. So when I started studying the prayers of Paul, I'd say I noticed what Paul prayed, and I also noticed what he didn't pray. And it was really fascinating. Especially in the epistles, there's four, four letters that he wrote from prison. And you know what's remarkable is that in those four letters, he doesn't ever pray, God deliver me, or God protect me. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I mean, if I were in prison, what would I be praying? What would you be praying? Get me out of here, God. <laughs> and Paul was actually really, he was there because of the gospel, but he was a Roman prisoner, and it was actually illegal for him to be imprisoned as a Roman prisoner without a trial. And so he was waiting for a trial for two years in prison. I'd have been a little frustrated I'd have been saying to my people, pray, storm, the he- storm heaven and ask God to get me out of here. And he never once does that. So Paul, this is a quote by Sam Storms that really made me start looking at the prayers of Paul differently. Paul did not pray that they be spared suffering. Nor did he request that material wealth be added to their spiritual zeal. He said nothing about illness or healing or better jobs or any of those things for which we pray and ask others to pray on our behalf. Okay, that's really interesting, isn't it? Evaluate the way we pray and evaluate the way Paul prays. We're going to look at one of his prayers. Paul is writing to new believers who in that time were, if they take a stand for Christ... They're going to be persecuted, no doubt about it. In fact, Paul tells them all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But Paul didn't pray that they wouldn't suffer persecution. He didn't pray for that. Now, requests, like he just said, like praying for health and for our needs to be met, those requests are not always inappropriate. Absolutely not. I don't want you to hear that. Because in 1 Peter 5, 7, it's just one place where God says to us, cast all your cares on me. I mean, if you're worried about your finances or you're worried about your health, yeah, he wants, he wants you to bring those needs to him. But what we see in Paul's prayers is that he considered spiritual wisdom, knowledge, and enlightenment of greater value. What Paul and all the other, actually, if you look at any of the prayers in the Old Testament as well, they're not focused on outer circumstances. Most of the prayers in the Old Testament are um, focused on God's glory. That's what I see. And in the Psalms, it's often like, give me a teachable and humble spirit. Teach me, O God. Search my heart, O God. We know those people had problems too, but God was instructing them to pray about what's going on inside of them more than what's going on outside of them. So as we look at 
this prayer in Colossians 1, I feel like it shows us three reasons to pray. And the first one is to connect with God's perspective. The second one is to connect with God's power. And the third one, to connect with God. Stay connected with God in the personal relationship. So we're going to look at the first one, to connect with God's perspective. This is in Colossians 1, 9. Paul prays, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So Paul says, you know what, I'm praying for you, you new believers that are facing really tough times. Actually, Colossae had at one time been a wealthy trading center, but by the time Paul is writing this to them, their economy has fallen apart. That trade has gone somewhere else. And Paul's saying, I'm asking God to fill you. Don't feel empty because your economy is falling apart. I want God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And this comes through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Spiritual wisdom is different from worldly wisdom. Would you agree? Okay, and so who who has spiritual wisdom? We do. As believers, we have spiritual wisdom. That means we have spiritual insight. We can see things from God's perspective. In fact, the definition of wisdom in the Bible is the ability to see life from God's perspective. That's wisdom. And understanding is the ability to apply wisdom to your life in practical ways. So I really um, like the Phillips translation. To me, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Phillips translation. It's actually written back in the 50s, and it's pretty old, and I don't ever hear about it now unless I'm reading C.S. Lewis or Elizabeth Elliot, and they often quote from the Phillips translation. So I looked this up and really like it. It says that we are asking God that you may see things from his point of view by being given spiritual insight and understanding. That's why I say we need to get a hold of God's perspective. How does he see this? So, the next verse goes on to say, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Paul's saying, if you're filled with the knowledge of his will, If you're walking, seeking God's insight, saying, God, here's my situation. Show it to me from your perspective. Help me to see a bigger picture than what I see. Then Paul says, then you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit, a fruitful life, and growing in the knowledge of God. You know what a fruitful life is? What kind of fruit? Is God looking for? I like Jerry Bridges, and he's also another old man who's already in heaven. But he says, spiritual fruit is anything which others receive from God through you. So God says, when you're filled with the knowledge of of his will, and you have this spiritual insight, 
Others are going to be blessed through, blessed by God through you. That's the fruit God is looking for in our lives. And that comes also as we grow in our knowledge of God. So I'll put in another plug after the service for six weeks. We're doing a study on getting to know God better through his name. So you can join us upstairs if you want. So here's how it says in the Phillips. It says, then your outward lives which men see may bring credit to your master's name and you may bring joy to his heart by bearing genuine Christian fruit and that your knowledge of God may grow yet deeper. What does God want to do in our lives? He wants others to be able to look at us and say, you're different. How come you're not all out of sorts because of all that's going on? Others should see that peace and joy and confidence and hope that we have. That brings credit, honor, and glory to the name of Jesus. In Taiwan, we had a tremendous privilege of getting to go to the local university and teach an English club. And we did this using the Bible. We met with master's-level biomedical engineers. They were in their second year, and they were extremely brilliant, could talk in a different language than, well, yeah, they could talk Chinese, but they also, you know, just very scientific-minded. They never read the Bible. They didn't know anything about Jesus. It was one of the most exciting times of my week. I looked forward to it so much. One day, this young man came, and when he introduced himself to us, he said, hi, And he told us his name, and then he said, I'm a seeker. I thought, wow, I've never had somebody say that to me before. That's kind of cool. He's telling us he's seeking God. And later he told us he he had come from a country that's um, predominantly is ruled by um, Islam. And he had decided growing up he was not going to be a religious person. He wanted to be an atheist. He was going to be a scientist. But we watched during our time there, he came to know the Lord. And I still keep in contact with him, and he's an incredible young man. I am just in awe of what God has done in him. Now he's just moved to another school to pursue his PhD, because he wants to go back to his home country and teach in a university and say to those people, science makes no sense apart from God. Isn't that cool? So this last week I was communicating with him. I am so grateful for Facebook and Zoom because I can keep in touch with my, my friends there. And he said to me, please pray. Please pray for me. Pray that I could have the right understanding that God is the most valuable treasure in my life. Not my study, not degree, and not even PhD experiment results. Pray that I would have a pure motivation that this is one of the tools God is using in my life to glorify him. Otherwise, I will get strayed on this PhD life, and I want my life to glorify God. What a prayer. This young man hasn't been a believer but a year and a half, and already he's 
He's focused on the purpose of his life is to glorify God and how much more important that is than his degree and studies. Really encouraged me. Well, Paul goes on in this prayer in verse 11. He keeps praying for them, these people back in Colossae, and he's, he says, I'm going to pray that you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Let's just stop there a minute. What do you think God's power looks like? What can God do? Can he grasp that? What can God not do? Do you know our God? He can do anything he wants. He can do anything he pleases. Nothing gets in his way. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So Paul is praying, you know, as you're going through this hard time, I want you to have strength. I want you to have not just human strength, but supernatural strength. Strengthened with God's power so that you can have great endurance and patience. Paul isn't giving them the picture that God is going to deliver them, in my understanding, because Paul's saying, I want God to help you endure. I want God to help you be patient in this trial. And he goes on to say, and do it with joy and thanksgiving. Why? Because that brings credit to his name, to Jesus' name. Again, in the... in. Uh, the Phillips translation says, we pray that you will be strengthened from God's boundless resources so that you will find yourselves able to pass through any experience and endure it with courage. Able to pass through any experience without falling apart because you have God's power within you. Able to pass through any experience. What is it right now that you think looks too hard in your life? Do you have something that just looks really difficult in your life? Pray with Paul for God's boundless resources. His power has no limit. <laughs> right? He can do what we cannot do. I've had many times in my life when I was so weak that I didn't know that I even wanted to get out of bed. I didn't want to face the day. And I've had to rely on God's boundless resources of strength. And the most recent was when I was with Rick in the Buddhist hospital. <laughs> I thought, I can't face this again today. It was hard to see him like that, but it was really hard to see all these people without hope as their loved ones were dying as well. And to hear their Buddhist chanting and having these sweet Buddhist nuns wanting to pray for me. 
And I just thought, I don't have the strength to do this today. And this is how God did more for me than I could have ever imagined. He didn't change my circumstance. He filled me with just enough strength for each day. So, so why do I get afraid about hard things that I am af- thinking might come my way as if I can predict the future? Do you ever do that? Do you ever look ahead and say, how am I going to face that God before it even happens? And we don't know what God's going to do. But it's always good to remember, what has God done for you in the past? Why are you still walking with God? It's because he's given you the strength to hold on and to keep pursuing him and to keep seeking him. God didn't, hasn't let go of you yet, has he? Has God let you down yet? Has God abandoned you? Never. Never will. So we can look forward with hope, knowing whatever we need, God's got it. So that we can pass through any experience and endure it with courage, is how Philip says it. Then you will even be able to thank God in the midst of pain and distress because you are privileged to share the lot of those who are living in the light. Is that what you do? That's not my first natural reaction. Thank you, God, that I'm in the midst of pain and distress. But see, if you've prayed all those things coming up to this sentence, if you've prayed for the knowledge of his will and you have God's perspective on your struggle, if you've prayed for spiritual wisdom and insight so that you know how to respond, if you've prayed that God would help you to honor his name and make him look good, if you've prayed for strength and endurance and patience and joy, then you can go through any situation of distress. With a, with a thankful heart. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, Paul actually uses the phrase that says, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Now, does that make sense to you? Like, isn't sorrowful down here really bad and rejoicing, like, way up here really good? Oxymorons. And God says, and Paul says, I'm sorrowful but always rejoicing. Not wrong to be sorrowful. God understands that human emotions, but God wants to infuse his supernatural emotions into us as well. That we can rejoice in the midst of pain. Does it make sense? That's spiritual wisdom. That's wisdom that the Spirit gives. People who don't have Christ can't understand that. Makes no sense. And even us who have Christ, we almost think that's too good to believe, don't we? Paul also says in another place in 1 Corinthians, he says, I'm perplexed, but not despairing. Yeah, watch the news and be perplexed. (laughs) But not despairing. Because... We can give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. It's not because of who we are. It's because Jesus has qualified us to receive these boundless resources. That's our inheritance because we belong to him. And we have more to look forward to, our hope of heaven.
then this is great for he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I remember that when I came to Christ and I read this in the New American Standard and it says he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I know I experienced that. Do you remember a time like that in your life? I know when I lived in the kingdom of darkness. And at the time, I didn't know I was in the kingdom of darkness. But when God transferred me to the kingdom of light, I saw life in a whole new way. I had hope for the first time. So don't live like we're in the dominion of darkness. We live under the rule of Jesus. We don't live under the rule of Satan. There's kind of like this bubble around us. <laughs> Do you believe that? Kind of insulated by the Holy Spirit. Do bad things still happen to us? <laughs> sure. Because he said, in this world you will have trouble. This world is not our home. He says, if your hope is in this life alone, you are most to be pitied. And I think that's maybe where we get caught up because all we can see is this life. It's natural to think about this life. This is where we live. But remember, we live in God's kingdom. It's a kingdom of light. And we're headed on this path that he'll keep giving us the light we need to keep moving forward. And someday we're going to arrive in real life when we get to see him face to face. So just as a way of review, this prayer shows us um, to look for God's perspective in our situation and seek spiritual wisdom. This is how you can evaluate what you're praying for. Are you looking for God's perspective? Are you asking him what he wants to do? God, what do you want to do in this? Are you seeking spiritual wisdom and insight that comes from the Spirit? I think I skipped one. Are you seeing God in the picture? I like this. Rick used to always say when we were um, stressed, (laughs) when life is full of tension, he'd say, where's God in this? God's there, always. Look for God in this picture of your life and focus on his power. Think about what he could do and what he might want to do and what he is doing. Ask for his power and strength to respond in a way that glorifies him. It's not about us. He's wanting to show the world how great he is through us. So we want to respond in a way that glorifies him. And are we trusting him? Are we confident when you pray? Are you confident that he hears your prayers? If you're praying, remember that first scripture in 1 John 5. If you're praying according to his will, you know that he hears you. But do you know that he always hears the prayers of his loved ones? Those who belong to him. His ears are always open to our cry. Isn't that incredible? Even the inner groaning that we might feel sometimes when we're just deeply distressed and don't even know how to put it into words. God hears that. 
So be confident that he hears your prayers and that he is working in a way to show his glory and goodness. That's what he wants to do. And we don't usually see it while it's happening. I don't anyway. Sometimes when I get out past it, I can look back and go, oh, wow, God. But just trust. He is always at work to show his glory and goodness in our situation. So, now when I pray, since I've studied, um, started look, paying attention to the prayers in Scripture, it really makes me evaluate my prayers. Am I praying and asking God to give me what I want or what He wants for me? Just one good way to evaluate our prayers. And remember that what He wants is so much better than we've ever imagined. We don't want to limit him by our prayers. We want him to do whatever he wants, right? Can you imagine if God just did whatever he wanted here in Harrisonville? Wow. Warren Wiersbe says, True prayer is not telling God what to do, but asking God to do his will in and through us. It means getting God's will done on earth, not man's will done in heaven. So I am really looking forward to this weekend that we get to join together our hearts in prayer for ourselves, our families, our our community. There are a lot of people in Harrisonville that don't know Jesus yet. We have a mission field for our nation, for our world. Because I just, that reminded me of this quote by Andrew Murray who says, we cannot poss- what we cannot possibly do for ourselves or for those we want to help can be done by prayer. Time spent in prayer will yield more than that given to work. Yay. <laughs> Can we fix the problems in our culture? Can, can you? Uh, I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> when I see people, uh, when I see the fires, when I see the floods, when I see the destruction, I can't do anything. There's people really hurting. There's people who don't know how to cope. And we can pray for them. And God tells us in his word how to pray for them, too. So I hope you've been encouraged. I hope your heart has been stirred to get into the word and look at some prayers. And know that when you pray God's word, you're praying his will, and he says he'll answer you. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come to you as the great and mighty God. The God for whom no one can stand against. No one can thwart your purposes. You're the everlasting, eternal God who knows the beginning and the end. And 
we're just really in awe that you would choose to make yourself known to us. That you would step into our lives and draw us to yourself as the privilege beyond what we can even imagine. And then to think that you want to use us to show the people in our lives who you are. Make us mindful of that, God. Give us a heart that's intent on living for your glory. A heart that says, I want to show you how great my God is. Lord, we know you want to bring more people into the kingdom. We know when you look at our situations and when you look at our community and our nation you have compassion so many sheep without a shepherd people who don't know that you want them to belong to him people who still live in that kingdom of darkness Only you, God, can open their eyes, open the eyes of their heart to see your glory and cause us to be the kind of people that reflect your glory, that others will be drawn to you through us. Oh, we want you to do that here at HCC, God. Would you unleash your power in our lives and strengthen us? to endure with a joyful and thankful and patient attitude. Thank you, God. We do love you. We do thank you for your word to instruct us and show us what you want, and we thank you most of all for Jesus, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace only because Jesus has covered our sins. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, today I just want to bless you to go on your way and look for God's glory. Look for God's glory. Look for God's perspective. Keep seeking God's wisdom.